G'day friend and welcome to the Dolby Anglican Podcast. My name is David and I'm one of the ministers at Dolby Anglican Church. It's wonderful to have you with us as we wrap up our Upside Down Kingdom series. Today's sermon is entitled, A Kingdom for the Merciful, and it focuses on the parable of the unmerciful servant in Matthew chapter 18 verses 21 to 35. Hope you enjoy the sermon. The Lord be with you. The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Matthew chapter 18, beginning at the 21st verse. Glory to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him ten thousand bags of gold was brought before him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and children and all that he had to be sold, repaid to repay the debt. At this the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servants fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This is the Gospel of our Lord. Praise Praise to you, you, Lord Jesus Jesus Christ. Christ. Well, today we've reached the end of our Upside Down Kingdom series. Over the last seven weeks, we've been honing in on what Jesus has to say about the Kingdom of God in Matthew's Gospel. And time and time again, I've been astounded at how Jesus takes our expectations of what a kingdom should be and what a king should be and turns them on their heads. What is important for us is not that important for Jesus. And what matters to Jesus is the beauty, the righteousness, and the goodness 
that we often overlook. God's kingdom is a kingdom for the hungry, for the fearful, for the outcrowd, for the humble, for the losers, and for the wanderers. It seems like each week Jesus has something even more challenging to say and helps us to understand God's kingdom even better. We've seen how different Jesus' kingdom is to the kingdoms of this world. Now, if you've ever seen a James Bond film or played an action-packed computer game, you'll know that the final boss is the hardest boss to overcome. Sure, we've met some doozies along the way during this series, but today is the most challenging as Jesus asks us to do one of the hardest things a human can do, and that's forgive. Our passage today begins with Peter asking Jesus a question about forgiveness. He says, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? The kingdom of God is a kingdom for the merciful. But before we launch into a sermon on mercy, it's important to figure out what mercy is and what mercy isn't. Peter wants to show his rabbi, his teacher, Jesus, how merciful he is. The most respected rabbis in Bible times taught that we should forgive three times, but no more. It's the whole fool me once, shame on me, fool me four times and I'll burn down your house principle. <laughs> it's a bit extreme. Peter doubles the three and then adds one on for good measure to show how wonderful he is, how great he is, and how religious he is. The number seven was God's divine number of completion, seven days in creation. So Peter's trying to make a show for Jesus, but Jesus responds in verse 22, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Some translators render it 70 times seven, 490 times. Do you see what Jesus is doing? He's doubling down on Peter. In Genesis, there's a guy called Lamech who kills a man for crossing him. He boasts to his wives, because perhaps they're the only person who would listen to Lamech because he's such an aggressive guy, he boasts that if someone hits him, he'll hit back 77 times as hard. Lamech's statement is a, not a statement about arithmetic. It's not about maths. It's about an attitude of infinite revenge. Here Jesus is saying that just as Lamech was unforgiving, just as Lamech was vengeful, so I am merciful. Forgiveness isn't a question of maths. It's about an attitude of unlimited grace. It's here again that Jesus turns our understanding of what forgiveness is upside down. We learn at least five things here about what forgiveness isn't. Firstly, forgiveness isn't simply a feeling. It's not something we do only when we want to. It's an attitude of active obedience to God. No one would forgive someone 77 times for the same offense 
unless they were actively obeying a higher power. I might not feel very forgiving towards a person, but if I value my allegiance to Jesus more than I value my own hurt and pride, I would take steps to forgive my sister or brother. Second of all, forgiveness isn't about pretending we're not hurt. Jesus expressed pain, disappointment, frustration, and sadness when he was betrayed. Yet he stood up to injustice and called a spade a spade. On the cross, Jesus didn't pretend that everything was okay and that nothing was wrong. Instead, he cried out, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. Jesus isn't asking us to pretend. He's calling for forgiveness from the heart in the face of hurt. Now, forgiveness, thirdly, isn't condoning wrongdoing. You can forgive someone while sending them to jail for a crime that they've committed at the same time. Jesus isn't calling us to find 77 ways to justify injustice, and he's not condoning sin. Jesus never did that. Fourthly, forgiveness is not trusting the offender. It's sometimes said that we need to forgive and forget. But that's not what Jesus is talking about here. Jesus is not telling the victim of abuse to put herself in harm's way again. He's not telling us to keep giving money to someone who's addicted to drugs, alcohol, or gambling. Forgiveness is not about helping someone destroy themselves and about others through some sort of divine amnesia. Finally, fifthly, forgiveness is not about relieving someone of their responsibility. Your choice to forgive someone doesn't make their responsibilities disappear. A wife who places her family in financial ruin can be forgiven she can also be held responsible for getting the family out of debt. A man who commits adultery, ending his marriage, can be forgiven, but he still needs to pay child support. In talking about forgiveness, we need to understand that forgiving is not forgetting or aiding and abetting an abuser. Jesus came to bring about justice through mercy. And if we take up his challenge, we need to understand what forgiveness isn't and what forgiveness is, which is my next point. Forgiving is letting go. To illustrate this, Jesus tells us about a servant who stuffs up big time. By speaking about a master, our kingdom ears should prick up because we've been learning about the kingdom of God in Matthew. Jesus is about to show us about how God's kingdom is so much better than our unforgiving world. And he has good, good news. This particular servant owes his master 10,000 talents or 10,000 bags of gold. Now, one single bag of gold, one single talent was worth 20 years wages at the time. The Australian Bureau of Statistics tell us that the average Australian wage last year was $86,000, which 
pretty, pretty big sum of money, isn't it? Sounds pretty good. <laughs> this guy owes his master 10,000 years, well, no, 10,000 times 20 years wages. So he owes about $17 billion in today's money. 200,000 years work. There's no way he's ever going to be able to repay the debt. So the master does as is expected and prepares to sell him and his family into slavery. That was common practice at the time. Prime slaves could net about one talent, one bag of gold. So this master isn't going to recoup his losses, but he might be able to send a message to those who might cross him. But it's here that Jesus turns things on their head. The servant begs for mercy. Be patient with me and I'll pay everything back, he says. Now this, of course, is crazy talk. The servant would have to work full time for 200,000 years without keeping anything for himself to live on in order to pay back what he owes. It's not happening. But he begs for mercy. And to our surprise... The master forgives. Here we see what forgiveness truly is. The master knows that the servant can't pay him back. And he suffers the indignity of not getting revenge in order to let his servant go free. He doesn't forget the debt. We'll see that in the next part of the story. But he lets it go. He knows there's nothing the servant can do to repay him. Instead, he forgives. Forgiveness is letting go of what you think you're owed in order to get even. It's letting go of the anger, the hatred, the toxicity, and ultimately the hold someone has over you and setting you both free to live again. In March 2019, Brenton Tarrant stormed two mosques in Christchurch, killing 51 worshippers. At his sentencing last month, the court heard from 24 victims, 24 people who had been affected by the attack. Janna Ezat, whose son Hussein al-Umari was killed, told the gunman that she forgives him. In her words, she said this, I decided to forgive you, Mr. Tarrant, because I don't have hate. I don't have revenge. She's saying this to a convicted terrorist. She said, in our Muslim faith, we say we are able to forgive. I forgive you. Damage was done, and Hussein will never be here. So I have only one choice. To forgive you. Tarrant nodded and acknowledged her words before blinking profusely and wiping a tear from his eye. It was his only sign of emotion that day. Janna chose to forgive Tarrant because she didn't want to live with hatred, burning for revenge. Nothing could bring her son back but she chose to forgive his murderer. And while he was still convicted for multiple life offenses, 
her forgiveness brought them both to tears. Think of the burden that was lifted that day. Think of how the lives of two people were changed in a moment through that act of forgiveness. Alexander Pope once wrote, To err is human, to forgive is divine. Jana drew on her Muslim faith in order to forgive her persecutor. But this sort of forgiveness is available to anyone. This is the sort of forgiveness that Peter is talking about to Jesus. And while it's hard, it's also healthy. And it allows anyone to let go of past wrongs. But for disciples of Jesus, there's an extra challenge. For Christians, there's a different kingdom that we live for. If we believe that on the cross, Jesus died in order to forgive the incalculable debt that we owe, then Jesus is calling us to a different type of forgiveness. The cross changes things. If we really believe we've been forgiven by God, then we have a particular call to forgiveness. Our story of the master's mercy isn't famous for being called the story of the merciful master. Instead, it's traditionally called the story of the unmerciful servant. It continues in verse 28. When the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay me back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant dropped to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. Notice how the second servant uses the exact same words that he used when he came before the king. And yet, the forgiven servant has his peer thrown into prison. Now, a hundred silver coins isn't a small sum. It's about a hundred days' wages or $30,000 in our money. But compared to the $17 billion, it's nothing. It's ironic that despite being forgiven much, the servant won't extend any grace to another. But to, be forgi- but to forgive as we've been forgiven is exactly what Jesus is saying when he calls his disciples to forgive others 77 plus times. The debt we owe to God for taking everything we've got, we've, God has given us and throwing it back in his face by behaving as if he doesn't exist is so enormous that, friends, we have the strongest basis for forgiveness in the whole entire world. It doesn't matter if someone owes you $20,000 or $500,000 in damages or even $17 billion in damages. All of those sums pale into significance when we think of what God has done for us, how God has forgiven us, what God went through through to win our forgiveness 
and reconcile us. As Christians, we have the luxury of drawing from the deepest wells of forgiveness in the world. But there's more. The master's other servants see what goes on and they tell the master. Here again, Jesus turns our expectations of God upside down. Perhaps we've gotten a little bit too comfortable with stories of forgiveness. We expect the master to forgive again. Perhaps we think the master is a bit of a pushover. But no. The master confronts the unmerciful servant and says in verse 32, You wicked servant, I forgave you much. Couldn't you have passed on a fraction of that forgiveness to your fellow servant? He then throws the unmerciful servant into jail until he can pay back what he owes, which is never. Jesus finishes by saying in verse 35, This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Here we see that justice and judgment belong to our Master. We can forgive others because God's kingdom is coming and justice will be done. When we forgive others for the things that they've done to us, we do so knowing that if they don't forgive that same mercy and forgiveness to others, they will meet with God's justice. We can leave those who sin against us in the hands of God But we need to remember that our master expects us to forgive others as we've been forgiven. Scholars point out that here Jesus is particularly speaking about forgiveness in the church. When Peter speaks about a brother or sister who sins against him, he's talking about fellow believers, brothers and sisters in Christ. Jesus is calling the standards of God's kingdom to be the standards of the church. If we are God's servants, then he calls us to a hard way of life, an upside-down way of life. But it's the most glorious way of life. Every day, churches around the world are torn apart by unforgiveness. I heard this week that every year, Four to eight million lawsuits are filed by U.S. Christians, quite a proportion of them against other Christians. This costs the economy 40 to 80 billion U.S. dollars each year. In the U.S. alone, we're not talking about Australia and the rest of the world. Unforgiveness tears people, families, and communities apart. And sadly, It's often the victims who hurt the most for the longest. Jesus calls us to a higher standard. He says, if you've been forgiven by your master, by God, you need to forgive your fellow servants. Your master forgives you, so you're called to forgive too. And as we say in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Why is Jesus being so harsh here? 
Why is God's forgiveness conditional? Well, it's because God loves us. And he knows how damaging unforgiveness is in our lives. God knows that cycles of revenge plunge us into hell. A judgment so deep that we can never dig ourselves out. Instead, Jesus calls us into cycles of forgiveness. Whereby one person forgives another who then passes that forgiveness on. God wants his people to forgive each other that we might show the world how good it is to live as citizens of God's upside-down kingdom. In God's upside-down kingdom, there is healing, wholeness, and there is mercy for all. In Matthew's gospel, whenever Jesus speaks about the kingdom of God, he flips our expectations of what God's kingdom should be on its head. And he shows us how much better God's kingdom is. Forgiveness is not about forgetting, but it is about letting go of what hurts us. And for Christians, it's about letting God's forgiveness won for us upon the cross, flow into every facet of our lives. We forgive because God has first forgiven us. So friends, as we, we, as we end this series, may we be merciful as our God is merciful, forgiving others as we have been forgiven. May we live as members of God's upside-down kingdom. Amen.